Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Judgment Call Podcast. As always, this is Miles Wilson. Hope you're having a great day, night, afternoon, whatever it may be for you when you're finally getting around to listening to this. But today, we've got some NFL news for you, man. So if you paid attention at all this weekend, maybe you were busy, maybe you didn't watch any games. But for the first time since 2002, the New England Patriots have fallen under 500 with this 18 to 12 loss to the Broncos. And why this is significant is because I was three years old in 2002. So for my entire life, nearly my entire life, I have seen the Patriots be at the pinnacle of football. They have been a fantastic organization, a fantastic football team. And usually Tom Brady was under center and getting the ball snapped to him. But now we have Cam Newton. And for the first time since 2002, the New England Patriots are not a franchise that is above 500. And the game came down to a fourth and 10 where Cam had an open Nikhil Harry and he threw an incompletion where it's if it's completed, it might be a touchdown and they win the game. But from the outside looking in, it might look like that was on Cam Newton, that incompletion, the fact that the ball didn't get to Nikhil Harry, it might look like that was on Cam Newton. But in reality, This offense has always been and will always be, as long as Bill Belichick is the head coach, a timing-based offense. And Cam Newton threw the ball to the spot where he thought Nikhil Harry would have been and where Nikhil Harry should have been. So this was not on Cam Newton. This was on Nikhil Harry and the wide receiver not being where he was supposed to be based on where the route was drawn up. The defensive back gave up inside leverage. So Nikhil Harry broke inside on the route, which was correct, is what he was supposed to do. But the route was supposed to break back out. So he would have had the defensive back completely beat, would have been wide open, and more than likely he would have walked into the end zone. But since he didn't, and technically he ran the wrong route, he broke in instead of out, it looked bad on Cam Newton. It looked like he just threw it into the middle of nowhere. But if you watch the New England Patriots last year, this exact same thing happened with Tom Brady under center. There were so many times where you could watch the games and it would look like Tom Brady just threw the ball to the middle of nowhere. And it looked like, well, there was a receiver in the area, but he didn't throw it to where the receiver was. And it's because the receiver was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it made Tom Brady look bad. But in reality, the blame falls onto the receivers. Nikhil Harry didn't run the right route and the game ended and the New England Patriots lost. So what this tells me is that this problem that's been a problem since last year and has been a problem all season long for the Patriots, it has to be corrected. I believe that Cam Newton is the right guy to keep this team competitive. We saw what he did versus the Raiders when he had that fantastic game and they ran up the score. We saw what he did when he got in that shootout versus Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. We saw what he did versus Miami the first well, the first game of the season where he had those two rushing touchdowns, even though he didn't have any touchdowns through the air, he didn't make make very many mistakes through the air. You have to believe that Cam Newton is the right guy for this Patriots team, but the lack of weapons on the outside are really going to kill this team. Cam Newton, when things are clicking, this team looks great because the defense is there. The defense has talent. Bill Belichick is always going to have a fantastic game plan for whoever they're playing on Sunday. But this offensive talent on the outside is going to hurt them in the long run should they not correct it. A lot of this has to do, in my opinion, with their unorthodox drafting style or at least their their offseason game plan. You never see 
the New England Patriots being the biggest spenders in free agency. You also have never heard of New England, the New England Patriots being as good as a team like the Steelers at scouting wide receivers. It's just not them. Uh, when you look back at their history, only two wide receivers have been on the roster within the past 11 years and had some semblance of success or at least made the roster for multiple years in a row. And that is Julian Edelman, who they drafted back in 09, and Matthew Slater, who they took in 08. Other than that, the receivers they have taken either haven't made the roster or have only been on the roster for a limited amount of time, or the receivers that they've taken, like Nikhil Harry, who's their first first round receiver, I believe, in over a decade. They're just they haven't panned out well. Like I guess hindsight is twenty twenty, and now we can say that taking Nikhil Harry over Debo Samuel or AJ Brown or DK Metcalf was a bad idea. We get it. Uh, like I don't really need to harp over that. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but even looking back at it. Nikhil Harry was not a first round prospect. So you have to believe that they're going to take a completely different approach this upcoming offseason. I know there's no need to be talking about the offseason in October when we have so much football left, but these problems are ongoing for the Patriots. These are problems that they had when Tom Brady was still here. So they have got to correct this. I'm not sure if they are going to try and put their try their hand at free agency and go after a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster, who's a free agent. Uh, Marvin Jones is going to be a free agent. Keelan Cole, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay. These are all guys who have not been re-signed by their teams and are still looking to be free agents when off, when the offseason does begin. But th this is not a team that is going to rebuild in a conventional way. That's just, I have a hard time believing that Bill Belichick wants to be a part of of a tear it all down style rebuild. That's just not the way it works. And even then, looking at the games where Camp, well, the one game that Cam Newton didn't play, they probably win that game versus the Chiefs if they have Cam Newton. So imagine this team with a true wide receiver one. And also, I understand that the offensive line has been banged up. So there's a lot of issues there. So I'm not really as worried about the offensive line as I am worried about the talent on the outside of Cam Newton. But you have to think that if this team had a true wide receiver one and then they still got to keep Edelman in the slot and they had maybe a very good secondary wide receiver, similar to what the Lions have going on, where Kenny Galladay is a fantastic wide receiver one. Marvin Jones is, is an excellent wide receiver, two, And Danny Amendola in the slot works and they can also rotate guys like Marvin Hall in. You can emulate that exact same thing in New England, where you have. Some wide receiver one that you either draft because this is one of the deepest wide receiver classes in a very long time. This is deeper than the wide receiver class last year. You get a wide receiver one or two out of there and then get a guy from free agency and then get some actual weapons for Cam Newton to work with because the receivers struggling to separate are leading to some of the sacks that Cam Newton is taking. So I get that even though the offensive line is banged up, you're not supposed to have to wait four seconds in the NFL for a guy to separate or you're not supposed to have to wait that long. Guys are supposed to be getting separation virtually from the line of scrimmage. These long developing routes are are what got Freddie Kitchens fired. It's just it's not something that's supposed to happen. So I would really like to see the Patriots take a new approach to how they decide to draft or how they decide to attack the offseason, especially with how aggressive they are on the defensive side of the ball. They are really set in their ways about taking who they like on the defensive side of the ball and grooming guys that they like on that side of the ball. I want to see them take that exact same approach with Cam Newton, see if they can get some guys in there that will get him to be a little more successful because 
clearly Cam Newton still has it. The way Cam Cam Newton and Josh McDaniels have been coexisting so far this season, it's working. They need to mix mix in a little bit of a little bit more of him running the ball in, which when they do, it looks a little awkward. It looks like they have they're still not used to having a guy who can run fully. So a lot of some of the plays that they do call look a little awkward. It looks like well, I mean, you have the option to run the ball if you want to, but we're not saying you have to run the ball. And even when they played Seattle and the play came down to the very last play of the game and they had Cam Newton run the ball in, it's like it was predictable. It was virtually the exact same play they ran earlier in the game. Like they didn't mix it up at all. There wasn't a necessary read option that would have moved the defense one way or another. It was literally a formation that they had ran earlier in the game and they threw it to a tight end. They ran the exact same formation, but instead of making it a pass play, they just made it a run play and everybody knew what was coming. So I get there are some kinks that they still have to work out and they may work out by the end of the season, but I would really like to see them take a different approach to how they get some new weapons in New England. Uh, like, even looking back at this past draft, they didn't really go offensive heavy besides the O-line. They went defensive heavy as usual. But things like taking a kicker in the fifth round that you're going to eventually cut because he isn't that good, you can't have that happen. You've got to make the most out of all of your picks. And since this is such a deep wide receiver class, maybe take two wide receivers. Don't do what you did in 2019 and then just take Nikhil Harry and then say, hey, we don't need another receiver. We have enough in-house. Clearly you don't. What you have going on there is not working. And I, and I get that even though Cam, Cam Newton did have that one miss to Demir Bird down the uh, down the field, I mean, he'd want that pass back. Can't, I, I still believe that Cam Newton is the right guy, and I would really like to see them take a more aggressive approach to the offensive side of the ball. And in other news, Baker Mayfield got benched, and I know that a lot of people don't like Baker Mayfield for some reason, his personality, whatever. But in the Browns' 38-7 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, Baker Mayfield was benched at the end of the third quarter. Uh, the score was 31-7 at the time. Baker's stat line was he was 10 for 18, 119 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. And the picks, if you listen to my last podcast where I talked about what went wrong with Baker Mayfield and why he did have those interceptions that he's had in the win versus the Colts, it was pretty much more of the same. The first pick, just like last week, was on him. It was unexcusable. It was a bad read, a bad throw. And it was completely on him. The pick six was on him. The second pick was still more of the same from last week. His second pick, second pick last week was he made the right read, but the pressure got into his face and he took a shot while he was throwing the ball. It was still more of the same. The second pick, the pressure from Tuit, Stephen Tuit got got to him. It affected the throw. It was picked off. I'll say it was half on him, half on the offensive line. But what is really bothering me here about Baker Mayfield is when he got pulled, everybody has notifications on or you pay attention to what's going on in the sports world on a Sunday just to get news, like whether it's injuries, whether somebody got benched, whether a uh, great play happened. You, you just have notifications on with Sports Center Bleach Report somewhere. When Baker got pulled in this game, outlets were reporting it as if it was because he wasn't having his best game and not because he came into the game with a rib injury and was sacked four times and was also hit eight eight times in total. They were they were just reporting it as if uh, Baker stinks. Everybody, please make fun of him. And it's this is it's strange. There's this strange fascination people have with shitting on Baker Mayfield, and it's really corny in my opinion because he is not a bad quarterback. I'm not a Baker apologist. 
I've been critical of him and what he's done off the field and how his focus last year seemed like he was more interested in doing commercials than he was on football. But now looking at what he does on the field, I can only go off of what the tape tells me and how he responds to his mistakes. And everything that the tape says is that he's trying to improve and he's trying to get better. But you have to put everything that Baker Mayfield has been through in context as in context with everything in life put it in context when baker mayfield was drafted in 2018 since that point he has had four different head coaches two different gms three different offensive coordinators and three different quarterback coaches kevin stefanski is his best head coach since greg williams and this is the first time this organization has shown any sign of stability since he's landed in cleveland Plus, this is his first year in this system. Go look at the difference between the Green Bay Packers last year and how Aaron Rodgers was operating that system versus Green Bay this year operating Matt LaFleur's system. It is a completely different team, a completely different it just the offense has a completely different feel to it. And no, I am not comparing Baker Mayfield to Aaron Rodgers. I'm comparing Baker, I'm comparing Baker in this system to Aaron Rodgers in his system. I'm not comparing their talents. But you just look at it. Everyone knows this is just a general rule of thumb. Offenses or quarterbacks in offenses look completely different from year one to year two. Baker has never had the opportunity to have to be in a second year in an offensive system. Every single year he's been in Cleveland, somebody new has come in, whether that's ownership, whether that's coaching. Something has changed for Baker Mayfield. He's had no stability at all. So, yes, I understand why Baker is struggling. Yes, I understand why he is not the quarterback that people thought he would be when he was taken with the first overall pick. And it's because he hasn't really had the chance. Last year, when the team was, I mean, they weren't bad, but the offensive line was terrible, and every route Freddie Kitchens called happened to be 10 yards down the field and they had no time to develop. So that won't work. And then they didn't emphasize the run like they do this year under Kevin Stefanski. So all I'm saying is don't give Baker the benefit of the doubt, but give him the benefit of the doubt. Like have expectations for Baker Mayfield, like he's a number one pick, but also realize that he really hasn't had the chance to showcase himself as much as you like in 2018 when Greg Williams took over as the head coach he looked good the Browns went five and three and it was in part because he had an offense where he looked comfortable he had a coach that respected him as a player and respected what he could do on the field and decided to let him showcase that now we have we finally got another coach where he respects Baker as a player he respects Baker as a person and he is giving Baker the chance to showcase what he can do but this is still his first year in the system, the team has been affected by injuries again, and the offensive and the offensive line play is still suspect. And but the Browns are four and two, and this is one of the tougher divisions in football. By the way, even though both of their losses have been with from division rivals, they're four and two. This is the first time that the Browns have seen this much success since I believe two thousand. This is almost twenty years ago, two decades. And Baker Mayfield is the one that is leading them to this four and two record. Now, look at their upcoming schedule. It's not the toughest. You you'll have more questions raised if they begin to lose down the stretch. Their next few games are versus the Bengals, the Raiders, the Texans, the Eagles and the Jags. 
all five of those games are winnable. They could easily come out of this stretch, an eight and three team or a nine and two team. You don't know what's going to happen down the stretch of the next few games, but people are talking about Baker Mayfield and this Browns team as if this is the same Browns that went 0-16 or the same Browns that couldn't get over five wins for however many years it was. This is not that same team, and they are trying to learn how to win. This is an organization where winning is pretty much foreign to them. So a team that is trying to learn how to win, a quarterback that is finally getting into a system where he's allowed to operate and trying to find some amount of consistency, of course there will be struggles. Of course Baker Mayfield is not going to go out there every single game and throw for 400 yards and have three touchdowns. He's not not some savior, but he is a good quarterback in my opinion. And I think that people being harsh on him doesn't really make sense. I don't know where all this animosity came from. I don't really even know if people mean it or if people just think it's cool just to make fun of Baker Mayfield because he throws interceptions. It's normal. People throw interceptions in the NFL. Defenses are very good. I know the game is built around offenses, but when defenses finally catch up, especially coming off a week like he just had where there is some excellent film out on how to stop Baker Mayfield, and this is also, what, the number one defense in the NFL now at the time of recording my last podcast, they were the number two defense in the NFL. So, yes, he struggled versus one of the best defenses in the NFL that I believe have 11, 10 interceptions and even more takeaways. This is a really good team, but I'm saying just hold out the slander. Just Pause it for a second, because looking at after this next stretch of five games, they have the Titans, the Ravens, the Giants, the Jets and the Steelers again. So I'm not saying that they are going to go to the playoffs and that they're going to. I don't don't know. I don't know that. Like, I'm not saying that they're going to be Super Bowl contenders like people were saying when they got Odell Beckham. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that I think this team will find some success this season. I think they will beat the teams that they are supposed to beat. And if they can beat the teams that they are supposed to beat, this is a 10-11 win team. Just like this isn't me being a Cleveland Brown. I don't even like Ohio, man. I'm a Michigan fan. Like if, if anything, I should be tearing down Ohio right now, but I am objective. I'm trying to be realistic about the situation and what's going on for Baker Mayfield. The teams that they have scheduled for them are not the toughest. They can beat the Bengals again. They can beat the Raiders. It's possible. Even though the Raiders are one of the most underrated teams in the league at the moment, right next to the Carolina Panthers, they can beat the Texans, even though, I mean, Deshaun Watson is a lot to handle, but they've shown that they can put up points in that Cowboys game. They can beat the Eagles. They can beat the Jags. I'm not going to say they can beat the Titans. I don't think they can beat the Titans. I think Derrick uh, Derrick Henry, with what he showed on Sunday, uh, nobody's interested in tackling him. He is a lot to handle. Same way for the Ravens. I just don't see them beating the Ravens, but the Giants, the Jets, they can beat both of them, and they could possibly steal this last game of the season versus the Steelers. So I'm just saying – Hold out your hope for Baker Mayfield. He's 25 years old. This is his third year in the league, and people are talking about him like he should already have it all down pat. Even Kyler Murray has struggled this season. It's his second year of the league. And imagine if people started judging Drew Brees off of what he did his first three years in the league. People would have been calling him a bust. And then he came out his fourth year in the league, and they went 11-4, and I believe, when he was in San Diego with the Chargers. So I'm I'm not comparing him to Drew Brees. Again, I'm just saying, relax. Just relax. He's a third-year quarterback. He's going to make mistakes. This is completely normal in the life cycle of a quarterback. He will probably be playing until he is 
35 years old. That just happens to be the lifespan of the quarterback in the NFL now. So just give him a second. Let him figure it out. And then coming back next year, his second year in a system for the first time in his NFL career, that's when you should have your Baker Mayfield takes, not going into his third year, six weeks into the season. All right, I'm done. That's all I got for you today. Thank you for letting me borrow your time. Uh, I'll probably be back sometime during this week. I, I'll, I know I'll definitely be back probably Wednesday or Thursday talking about this Chiefs game that is coming on tonight and however that pans out. But I will be back later this week. Appreciate you for tuning in. If you did listen all the way through, I appreciate each and every one of you guys. As always, this has been Miles Wilson for the Judgment Call podcast, and I'm out. Peace.